Welcome to Alberta Conservation Association's Harvest Your Own podcast, the resource for everything hunting, navigating through the field, the butcher shop, and the kitchen. Life is all about great food. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fenson, an avid outdoor enthusiast who has worked as a freelance journalist, photographer, and public speaker for over three decades. I have hunted, fished, and foraged all my life and hope to share my passion for the outdoors. Along the way, I want to encourage everyone to harvest wild proteins and enjoy the satisfaction of providing the next meal for your family. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and inspire individuals to get outdoors and create a connection between food, health, and your future meals. Welcome to Harvest Your Own. Today we've got a special guest, an old friend of mine actually. We've spent a lot of time in the blind and looking at deer antlers and trail photos, trail camera photos and all kinds of stuff. Dan Mosier, we're going to talk about everything shotguns. Uh, Shotguns are a very important firearm for people that like to hunt. Uh, I mentioned to Dan earlier today that uh, often in hunting camps there's a conversation about if you could only own three guns, what would they be? And people always ponder about calibers and gauges and different things. But one thing that everybody has on their list is a shotgun. And it's usually a 12-gauge just because it's so versatile with everything from big game to waterfowl to upland to shooting uh, clay targets and skeet and, and all the rest of it that it's, uh, it's very versatile and it can keep you in the field a lot. Dan, if you could only have three guns, would the shotgun be on the top of the list? You betcha. <laughs> uh, you're an avid wing shooter. Um, you've been pro staff for a number of different companies and organizations in North America. Uh, with Vista, you currently do some work with uh, Stoger Canada, which is Stoger Shotguns, Benelli, Franke, uh, Beretta, a bunch of the, the big name scatter guns. Yep. Yep. I've been with them since about, uh, I guess it's going on 10 years now, so... And, and what you do is you're helping them a lot of times at special events to help introduce people to hunting, uh, show them how to operate the firearms properly, and give them uh, the basic instructions to get them going. Yeah, you're correct. Uh, also spend some time with some of the local dealers and training their staff on, on our products. So. Right, and it, it's all an education in terms of learning things. And uh, I'm sure you feel this way too, that every time you go out and shoot, you learn something new or you... You know, you get rusty from the previous season, you have to relearn how to swing the gun properly or you stop when you're pulling the trigger and there's all kinds of little tweaks and things that we have to do to to stay on target with a shotgun. Yeah, I agree with that. I've uh, I've been waterfowl hunting 27 or 28 years. I can't remember how long, but every year and every time you go out, there's always something new to learn. So. <laughs> We're pretty blessed here in Alberta because we have great diversity and abundance you know, everything from upland, we got pheasants and huns, which were introduced, and we have our native upland birds from everything from two species of ptarmigan, blue grouse, rough grouse, spruce grouse, sharp tails. And then on the waterfowl side, uh, I think you're aspiring to shoot the North American slam, which is, is it currently 42 species? Yeah, it was 41. Now they've upped it to 42, and there's a few bonus species in there. And uh, I'm hoping to get that done and completed here in the next couple of years. Yeah, so, it, you know, once uh, people get into we'll call it shotgunning or, you know, there's lots of different nicknames for them, a scatter gun and um, different things like that. But uh, it is addictive. You know, every time you pull the trigger, you want to do it again. (laughs) No, no doubt about that. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Harvest Your Own is geared a lot towards people that want to get into hunting, get started, uh, people that are looking for more information. Let's just talk about the different options out there for guns. What different actions should people consider, especially new people that are getting into hunting and want to harvest some birds or have a, a type of firearm that can be used for any type of hunting? The first two starter shotguns that I'm going to mention are your single shots shotguns and your pump action shotguns. Uh, most people started out with a pump action shotgun when they were younger. It's uh, kind of relatively inexpensive, uh, pretty fail safe, not much is going to go wrong. And that's what a lot of people grew up with. And then there's a single shot shotgun, which is kind of self-explanatory. It's uh, usually a break open action where you can just put one round of ammunition be, shell in there and uh fire it away and you have to reload it so yeah you know it's, it's funny because uh a lot of people i've talked to when they started hunting they they learned from their grandpa or their dad or their mom or an aunt or something and uh it was always like here's one shell make it count and hit the target and do it a couple times in a row and i'll give you two <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still I still do that with new shooters a lot of time. Um, just kind of as a safety factor, we'll get one down, get people comfortable with the shotgun, get them comfortable with firing it, and then we'll move on to two or three rounds. But you're absolutely correct. Uh, it's kind of a thing that's went on for 50, 60 plus years and still today. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I still like that exercise when I'm having a bad day. What it does is it stops you, makes you slow down, and now you're focusing only on one shot. You're not worried about getting a second shot or a third shot, but you get one chance and you got to make it count. So I, I love a single shot shotgun for people that are starting out. And if you have a pump or a semi-automatic over and under or side by side or something like that, still put in one round to get started and see what you can do before you... Uh, I don't necessarily want to call it getting trigger happy, but it like there's the addiction again. You the more you do, the more you want. Yeah, I have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So we talk about different actions, uh, break action shotguns. Uh, we have the single shots, uh, side by sides, over and unders. Uh, all great options for people. Uh, some are multiple shots uh, for first time hunters. Uh, side by sides and over and unders can be all right, but they're going to be heavier. Uh, you have two barrels instead of one barrel on the gun and they can add up to 20% more weight on it. So for a new shooter, a heavy gun, it's awkward to swing and follow through with your shots and just handle. So sometimes they're not the best option to start with. Right. But I mean, professional shooters and Olympic shooters, they shoot over and unders for a reason. They like the weight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's kind of something that you have to grow into and, I'm going to say not perfect, but get good with a single shot or even a pump action shotgun before you move into a a double barrel gun. Right. Yeah. The double barrels are nice. That extra weight uh, to control your swing and be consistent. Mm -hmm. Uh, When every shot counts, you know, when people are in a competition and they are shooting a hundred trap and they need to shoot a hundred out of a hundred, they use anything psychologically or physically uh, available that's going to help them. And that extra weight comes in handy for that. But new hunters really need to keep it lightweight to, to you know, be able to swing and stay with the target and be mobile. That's, that's one of the biggest things uh, with new hunters or, or new shooters for that fact is the swinging. Um, 
anybody can put a shotgun up into their shoulder and pull the trigger, but it's the swinging and following through that's that's what's going to hit you, make you hit your target. So yeah, we just finished the waterfall warm up, and uh, you were out there showing off a bunch of new shotguns. Some of them were were gorgeous. There was everything from a twenty gauge. Uh, you had uh, several semi-automatics, some uh, over and unders, and I bl- was there one side by side there. Uh, no, no, not this year. No, but yeah, we did have numerous over and unders though. Yeah, so it was interesting because uh, there were some people there that had never shot a shotgun. Yes, uh, every year that is, and uh, surprisingly, usually within a couple minutes of instruction uh, from myself or even yourself, Brad, uh, we can uh, have people hitting targets and breaking targets. Uh, what do you get them to do to, to, to start them off psychologically, get their mind focused on what they have to do? Uh, one of the first things uh, like to do is take take a gun, of course, make sure it's open and empty and it's not loaded, and get the person to shoulder the gun, uh, make sure it fits properly. And then we like to do like a, a, a swinging or follow-through exercise. Uh, just get them to point the gun up, up in the air and swing it through the air. Um, most people are going to want to swing the gun too slow, and so... Just get them to swing it in the air and watch watch what sort of speed they follow through. Right. So that opens up the door to four new topics. Shotguns are pointed, not aimed. So you, the best way to learn is if you can shoot with both eyes open, if you're, you know, the same eye that you're shooting with is your dominant eye, it helps. If not, it can be challenging. But if you can shoot with both eyes open, watch the target, eventually that's going to help you be a better shooter. But you point a shotgun and you aim a rifle. And uh, that's because you've got way more projectiles with a shotgun shell than you do with a rifle. So uh, any pointers on pointing? Any pointers on pointing? Um, one of the best things is practice. Uh, even if you're an experienced shooter, um, if, if you have the opportunity or place to do it, take your gun outside and point it up, in, up into the air. Uh, follow a fence line, a tree line, uh, roof of a building, and just swing through with it. Um, find your target, uh, a peak on the top of a barn, and get in, get in the habit of swinging through, finding your target. And uh, like I said, even the best shooters still need practice. You know, Dan, those are great exercises, and I still do it. Whenever I start anyone out, that's the first thing I do is uh, get them to put the shoulder on their gun, see if it fits them properly, and try to get them to swing and give them some targets like follow that hill and down the edge of the trees and then follow the top of the trees, follow the outline of a barn or the fence like you said. But they usually do it extremely slow. So then when you can see that they're moving fluently, it's like, okay, pick up the pace. See if you can double the pace and keep that bead on the same place in your barrel where it doesn't show up and disappear, show up, disappear. Keep the bead visible the whole time and run those lines that you see in order to move that shotgun up and down and swing it through, looking down the rib the same way every time. And I think that's really key is because people haven't done that. Uh, it's easy to, to not keep it level and horizontal and be able to see down the barrel properly and consistently. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, uh, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, a new shooter, they're going to swing that gun too slow. Um, if whether it be a clay target in the air or a duck in the air, 
most of them are going to swing too slow and end up shooting behind the, the target. Uh, rarely does a new shooter, or even even for that matter, uh, an experienced shooter, rarely do they shoot ahead of the target. <laughs> right. It does happen, but that's usually for people like us when the ducks decoy in way too close and we're used to swinging at them at 40 yards. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is produced for Harvest Your Own, a program dedicated to those who want to reconnect with food and health through their experiences outdoors. HarvestYourOwn.ca is a resource for individuals to learn more about hunting and the outdoors. There's information to get you started and ensure that your compass stays pointed in the right direction to be successful. Where's your next meal coming from? You know, I, I took a shotgun course years ago from Gil and Vicki Ash, and one of the exercises they talked about was taking a mini mag light or a small flashlight putting it in the barrel of the shotgun and then make the beam a light about the size of a volleyball. And of course you make sure the gun's empty and all the rest of it and run the person through that. So they know the safety drills, but then you get them to follow like within a, a room, follow the corners and the edges of the walls with the light and try to keep it centered on all of those lines. And, uh, he even recommends this for, for competition shooters, put the light in your gun. You can make the beam of light smaller and smaller each day and keep it focused on those lines and keep the gun moving and see if you can swing it faster. And if you do that exercise day after day before you go hunting, it's amazing how much it helps you when you get in your field to pick up the target, get in front of it, stay in front of it, swing at the right speed, and deliver that pattern downrange. Mm -hmm. So, you know, over the years, there's been a number of different exercises, and that's a great one. There's also some learning uh, aids out there like uh, Mantis. They have a, a shotgun... Uh, program that works with an app uh, and your gun which tells you if you're canting your gun left if the length of pull isn't right if you're slow stopping the gun when you swing and all the rest of it so there are some learning aids out there but a good teacher is probably still the best way to learn how to use a shotgun and it's you know i think that's that's how we got started and everyone i know has got started is from a, a good mentor Yep. Uh, as, as you know, we experienced that last week at the waterfowl warm-up. Uh, uh, we had a new shooter that uh, wasn't hitting a target in a matter of a couple minutes with yourself, and next she was hitting every target. So And it was interesting to see the expression on her face because she turned around, her mouth was open, it's like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was surprised, but uh, and it wasn't just a fluke because she did it multiple times yeah. after. So yeah, so that hand-eye coordination is key. And you know, it's funny, younger kids. I say younger kids today. Well, it kind of ages me, but I find that they pick up the shotguns a lot quicker and easier because of the video games they play. I, I'd have I'd have to agree with that. I'm not a video gamer, but I it I can totally see how that would work hand-eye coordination yep. looking at the target instead of looking you know at what's in your hand and all the rest of it makes a huge difference yeah we discussed uh the proper fit of a shotgun um if a shotgun doesn't fit it's really hard to be consistent and it's hard to shoot it comfortably couldn't agree more safety uh, also plays into it. it yeah it does um of course Everybody has their own favorite shotgun brands, and everybody says, oh, a Beretta is better than a Benelli, or vice versa, kind of like that. And they buy strictly on a brand or model. However, a big, big chunk of that person should never buy a gun ba just based on a brand or a name. They need a gun that fits them properly, that they're going to be able to swing and point properly. 
I don't know how many times I've seen people just buy a gun just because of the name or brand, and that that should never be done. No, it's interesting that you bring that up, Dan, because the gun manufacturers know that. They know that people are very brand loyal, and if your grandpa buys you a Mossberg shotgun, chances are every shotgun you buy in the future is going to be a Mossberg because that's what you had your first experience with, your first success, and it imprints on us, and we tend to go back to those... If we don't have somebody to help us out with a new gun when we're young and we get into it older, uh, we often are influenced by our friends that have something and we watch them and, and try to emulate what they use and their success as well. So you're very correct about the brands, but fit and feel are, are critical to being successful. At oh, 100%. So anytime when I'm trying to help a, a new person out purchasing a shotgun, the first thing I do is take a gun and we check the length of pull. Um, and basically, length of pull is, or how I would describe it is, or how we, how we check it is, put the butt end st- of the stock in into your, uh, gonna call it your elbow, uh, arm arm section, and then reach with your index finger out to the trigger, and with with that butt stock placed into your elbow. Your finger should be right on the trigger. It shouldn't be ahead of the trigger or behind the trigger. And that basically shows you your length of pull if it's too short or too long. Yes, and that's that's critical because if a gun doesn't fit you, uh, so Dan's referring to the, the length from the, the, the inside of your arm where the butt would sit in your elbow to your fingertip. So what that emulates is if you put the butt of the shotgun in your shoulder and reach up to grab the shotgun and have your finger pointed up to engage the trigger, it's the same length. Mm-hmm. So length of pull is to pull your shotgun up and be able to engage the trigger um, with the right amount of finger available, which is usually that, that last crease in your finger mm-hmm. or the, the fingertip. So if the length of pull is too long, you're going to be leaning way back trying to hold that gun up. If it's too short, you're going to be creeping into it, and chances are it's going to probably make you have a sore cheek or or a mouse on your forehead somewhere where the and, recoil gets you. And you're never going to be able to shoot that gun properly. Right. And, I mean, that's why they sell different models. There's uh, juniors and bantams and uh, different size stocks to accommodate different people. Uh, but a lot of shotguns come with uh, shim kits and different things that you can put in to change the length of pull. Yep, length of pull, cast, um, I know some one one of the shotguns I have right now. It actually comes with the shims and offset plates that it comes with it. There's actually forty different positions and combinations that you can fit that gun. So for any shooter, hopefully you fit one of those forty combinations. <laughs> right, and it's that fit and feel though makes a big difference. You know, I remember when I started out, I had my dad's gun, and I it was way too big for me. But I learned how to shoot it, and get on target. It beat me up pretty good, but I, I didn't stop. But uh, getting older, having a gun that fit me properly, wow, what a difference. <laughs> it's kind of uh, wrong terminology to use, but you don't want to feel like you're shooting a canoe paddle. <laughs> no, that's pretty good terminology, actually, but it, you're, you're correct. Uh, and people will know if a gun fits them as soon as they hold it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, a lot. For myself, somebody that's experienced, when I pick up a shotgun, pick it up right away, immediately I know if I like it or not. Right. So anyone that picks up a gun should have somebody watch them. 
and see if the butt automatically goes into the soft part of your shoulder or if it slides down onto your bicep. That's probably one of the biggest things I've noticed over the years. Even at waterfall warm-up, if a gun doesn't fit somebody, it tends to slide down your arm and uh, give you a nice, we'll call it a sporting clay tattoo, uh, where the bruise develops <laughs> from the butt plate of the gun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, again, having a, a good person to work with to watch for those things. What else could we look for in terms of a gun fit uh, properly or improperly? I think leaning backwards or forwards is a yeah. is a, a, a big one. Yeah, leaning leaning backwards is never never a good thing. Um, if you look at a lot of competition shooters, their their stance they'll almost have a lean forward approach to it. But at some point, there's a too far forward approach also. So, yeah, leaning forward a little bit and bending your knee actually helps you absorb some of the recoil. So that's technique as well, and that's an important message to to give people. Uh, when we're shooting clays and stuff, I always take my I'm right handed, so my left foot and pointed towards where I think I'm going to shoot the target. It's sort of a natural way to line yourself up uh, for a, a correct and accurate straight shot. Uh, I, was, I was taught the same thing. Point, point that foot towards where you're going to be shooting. Yep. So. so, I mean, it's easy to do when we're shooting ducks and stuff out of a stand-up blind. Uh, layout blinds are a little different. Your feet are pointed at the sky, and uh, it sort of changes the game and lets you use your ab muscles a bit. But, you know... People will get to that point with a shotgun, but getting started, I think it's really important to watch for the, the signs that a gun doesn't fit you more than when it does. When it does, you'll know it, and if you practice lifting that gun up, that stock should come into your shoulder every time, and that's uh, part of that light exercise, too, is you can practice mounting that gun. And uh, even seasoned hunters that are in the, the waterfall blind, we've all had a bad day where the ducks come in and it's like, missed, missed, missed most of the time, it's that you're not mounting your gun properly. So unload it and take some time uh, with the clothing you have on to lift that gun, get it in the right spot. Lift the gun, get it in the right spot. Sometimes it's a different jacket or different uh, clothing that you have on or different thicknesses, and the butt just comes in a little bit different. And stopping and realizing that you got to mount your gun properly is uh, a big part of the battle to be successful, whether you're new or a seasoned veteran. I, I've had that same issue. Uh, I'm just thinking of when we hunt in December here in Alberta and it's cold and we put on a big puffy jacket. There's a lot of time my, my gun does not go into my shoulder properly and I take poor shots just because of that. Yeah, uh, you know, and it, there's, again, is where a, a versatile shotgun comes in. If you, uh, you know, you have a bulky jacket late in the season, you could take a few shims out of that stock, shorten it up a little bit to make up for the extra padding you have on your shoulder. It's a little extra work. But, uh, boys, there's a lot of work goes into finding a shoot and buying the equipment, setting aside the time. So if that's what it takes to be successful, it's always good to know that. And it's something you can do uh, early in the year, too. I mean, lots of times I've gone, shot clays, and taken three different jackets or vests with me to see what happens to the targets when I'm shooting. And it's, it's just an important exercise is finding out if a gun fits you is wear the clothing you're going to wear when you're in the field. <laughs> and unfortunately, when a lot of people practice in the summertime, they're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and <laughs> it's a lot different than when you get out to, into the field in October. And it's a on. lot different, and I, I'm not a big heat fan, but I find that uh, even if I'm out on a warm day, if I wear a hoodie and a vest, my length of pull is going to be 
I'll, I'll call it better adjusted for me to be more accurate on a consistent basis. So I'll put up with being warmer than I want to be just by having a little bit more bulk on me for the, the certain guns that I have. I am fortunate that I have more than one shotgun and some of them vary within a half inch length of pull so I can swap out shotguns depending on what I'm doing as well. The biggest thing is at the end of the day, you want that point of aim at the same place every time when you pick up that shotgun. Yes. And, you know, point of aim, um, once you master that, it's easy to do. Uh, does barrel length play into that at all? Barrel length, uh, for me, it's usually a weight and a balancing thing. Uh, if you have a longer barrel, typically they're one going to dip forward more. Uh, where a shorter barrel, it's going to swing a little quicker. Uh, both have their advantages and disadvantages. Uh, I have my own opinions on that. Uh, typically on my hunting shotguns, I like a 28-inch barrel. Uh, it kind of seems to be a happy medium in, in between. You get into a 30-inch barrel, it's longer, heavier to swing. I find they don't balance as nice. And you go shorter with a 26-inch barrel, and I find it's too short. Uh, you get more muzzle va- blast off off a shorter barrel, so a little more recoil and kick. And uh, also, I find the shorter barrels uh, are a little louder than a longer barrel, where the sound's out away from your ears farther. Yeah, bring it closer, it sounds louder. This podcast was made possible by Alberta Conservation Association and the Harvest Your Own community. If you're interested in harvesting your own food, there's a comprehensive collection of information to gain insight and knowledge, head to the field, harvest your own protein, prepare it, and taste the results. Harvestyourown.ca is a library of information from getting started and geared up to processing, butchering, and cooking wild game to make the connection between health and food. You know, you bring up an interesting point, the barrel length. uh, It probably was more important in the days when we shot lead. People wanted a long barrel with a full choke to give us more range, but with steel shot, everything is controlled with uh, the wad and the choke, so we can get away with shooting those uh, shorter barrels. So, uh, you know, a smaller frame shooter or somebody that doesn't have uh, really good upper body strength, a shorter gun because it's going to lighten it up and be easier to swing would be a great option. But uh, like you mentioned, the 28, I'm, I'm a big 28-inch uh, barrel fan too. It uh, seems to be a good balance between length and weight for for swing and, and consistency for, for me. Chokes. We talked uh, briefly about chokes. How important are they to being on target? Chokes are, as much as uh, pointing and aiming your gun, chokes are just as important too. Um, how, how, your pa- patter, how your shot patterns and spreads out is, is a major factor. And uh, more people really actually need to spend some time with their chokes and patterning their guns, seeing what they do. You know, that's probably the biggest recommendation I'll make today is pattern your gun. And that's easy. You get some, an old uh, roll of newsprint or some type of paper where you can put a tack in the middle with a 15-inch string and a marker, and you draw a 30-inch circle. Put a one-inch dot in the center and set it up at the ranges you want to shoot. So if you're going to shoot something at 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, 50 yards, make patterning targets for those different ranges and shoot them. See how many pellets are in the effective area. Within that 30-inch circle, how many are out? Uh, See how dense your pattern is. Uh, Maybe it's the size of a softball all right on the spot. You know, a full choke will really tighten up that pattern. And uh, it's going to mean that you really have to know your gun and, and be able to 
not only point it, but really fine-tune that, almost aiming it. Whereas uh, a choke can make up for our, our inability sometimes, and that's where the old scattergun name comes from, is uh, uh, why try to shoot him with one projectile when you can put 300 in there and throw them out? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So mastering chokes is uh, it's part of the magic of a shotgun. It, it can really make a person confident and successful. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately, uh, like the choke, uh, if you have too too open of a choke, uh, your pattern's going to spray around, and you're not going to have as many uh, pellets on target. Where a tighter choke, you're going to have more more pellets on target, and uh, more I guess more concentrated, and you're going to either break your target or hit, hit like your duck or goose in the air and kill it more effectively. Yeah, those are all good points. And again, patterning your gun, I often draw like a 10-inch oval around the center, which is like a duck's body. And when you shoot that pattern, you can count the number of pellets that would actually hit the, a bird if you were aiming at it. And uh, if you've got 80% or more of your pellets in that 30-inch circle and you've got four to six pellets in that bird, you're probably going to be eating some wild game. I was just going to tell you, that's the kind of the key that I use at 25 and 30 yards of pattern is the 80-20 rule. 80% of, of your shot should be in that 30-inch circle and uh, only 20% outside. So yeah, And if you can't find, uh, you can buy patterning papers or boards at the different uh, sporting goods stores. If you can't make uh, find them, make them yourself. You can even draw them on cardboard and... Uh, uh, cover up uh, some of it with uh, new paper or tape and shoot them again. But uh, patterning is your friend. It'll teach you more about your shotgun. The old days, my dad used to say, bury the bead on that 20-gauge, you know, when we were shooting grouse, which meant I just wanted to see the top edge. Uh, you need to understand how the bead works on a shotgun, where, why it's pointed, not aimed. Some of them, you actually cover the target. Some of them, you bury the bead and keep it in front. But some of them are actually a floating bead. Um yeah, a good example of that is uh, uh, Benelli shotguns. Uh, people that uh, buy their first Benelli and go to pattern it, lots of times they'll complain that this gun shoots too high. Well, they're actually designed that way with a floating bead to shoot high. So That allows you to see the target. Yes, and if you have both, like you mentioned earlier, if you have both eyes open you can see what you're shooting at. Right. So it's really important to understand those things, and you don't know where that shotgun is shooting if you don't pattern it. So if you know that you have to see the whole bead or half the bead or bury the bead like my dad used to tell me, you find that out by patterning. Mm-hmm. And uh, shoot different chokes to see what it does to that pattern. Does it spread it out? Does it keep it really dense? Um, most people starting out are probably going to shoot things at less than 40 yards. So an effective pattern at 30 yards is going to be, you know, that's going to be winner, winner, duck dinner for most people. Yeah, exactly. Any other advice for buying shotguns uh, in, you know, or starting out looking? Um, it really is uh, the one purchase that people can do to partake in a bunch of different hunting activities in Alberta. You can use it year round. Uh, great uh, sporting clay trap, even going out and shooting clays with a friend with a hand thrower. There's lots of things you can do with it, but uh any 
parting words right. of advice? My, my, my recommendation if you're starting out is one of the first things I would look at is a pump action shotgun. Um, you're going to find them in a price range of anywhere from $320 up to $1,000 kind of thing. Maybe the odd one over that. But so they're reasonably priced. Uh, you don't have a lot of money invested in it. And they're very reliable. There's not much that can go wrong with a pump action shotgun. Yeah, and anyone starting off, there's also a safety factor. I think pumps are generally safer too. Uh, you can you can utilize them as a single shot. Uh, you can get them with interchangeable chokes. You can get them with different length barrels. You can buy different barrels for them that have uh, uh, rifled barreling in it if you wanted to shoot slugs and hunt big game as well. Uh, very versatile, but, uh, you know, I love the, the pump gun. I, I had one for years. I still have some. And... Uh, you open the action, everyone knows it's open, everyone can see it's unloaded, and when it's closed, uh, you know that it's ready to go. Easy and intuitive to use. And that's kind of, uh, I guess, a disadvantage of my favorite shotgun, uh, a semi-automatic shotgun. If, if it's loaded with more than one round of ammunition, as soon as you pull that trigger, there's another live round in that chamber, and, and that gun is dangerous or considered deadly at that point, so... Yes, absolutely. You know, Dan, there's one thing that I wanted to cover with you, and I think we're going to take a step back for a second, is talk about different gauges of shotguns. You know, I think the 12-gauge is uh, the most common. Uh, Shells are, because of supply and demand, shells are more readily available. They're often uh, more economical, but uh, the old 20, 16, and 28-gauges and 410 are out there as great options for people that are starting out. Um, yeah, uh, with, with some of those, uh, I'm going to call them smaller gauges, uh, and, uh, there's less recoil to them. So lots of starting out shooters. It's not uncommon to see people shooting a 28 or a 20 gauge just because it has a little less recoil than, uh, than a 12 gauge. You know, one of the things I like most about them is if you buy a true 20 gauge or a 28 built on a 20 frame it is much lighter and easier for someone new to get started as well. And actually, not just for somebody starting out. Uh, we mentioned I'm an experienced shooter, and uh, last year I bought my first 20-gauge, and I'm absolutely in love with it. <laughs> and I'm finding I'm shooting it 80% of my hunts now just because it's so thin, sleek, light. It points get great. It uh, I, I'm absolutely in love with the 20 gauge. Yeah. You, you don't give anything up in pattern. Your your pellet density decreases a bit, but they're a very effective and efficient mm-hmm. uh, gauge of shotgun to use. It's funny, uh, it's come full circle to this because I just wrote a column for Sports Afield and it was about uh, going to the sub gauges when you get older to, to make things a little bit easier on yourself. So lighten the recoil, lighten the weight of the gun in the field and all the rest of it, and it adds to some enjoyment in the day. So... Whether you're starting out or, or in the middle of a hunting career or at the end of it, uh, those sub-gauges can add a lot of fun back. It, it sure can. And in, in, in the last couple of years, I've noticed uh, there's, there's quite a following for these sub-gauges, anything basically other than a 12-gauge. And I, I think it's actually picking up. Oh, absolutely. It's getting more popular all the time. I do want to mention 410s as well because uh, 410 is a great gun to start people off with for shooting and all the rest of it, especially a single shot. It's safe. Uh, You can move through all of the different uh, parameters of shooting safely and uh, have somebody operate the gun easily. But a 410 as a sub-gauge does not offer 
many advantages like a 20 gauge uh yeah <laughs> you have your your ammunition's usually typically ex- more expensive uh also your the amount of shot is very minimal in a 410 so if you're wing shooting um i've done it with a 410 and know people that do uh i wouldn't recommend it for a starting out shooter yeah the the patterns are are smaller their pellet count is way down it's a great gun for starting out where you're aiming it and shooting grouse in the head on the ground or something like that, doing target practice. But uh, if you want to be more successful and put more game in the pot, you know, moving up to a, a 28, 16 or 20 is going to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can use the 12, of course, they're much more ready, readily available. You can buy them used quite reasonably. There's lots of new guns on the market that are reasonably priced. And if you take care of it, it's going to last you your life. Yep. Like, I've got guns that I've been using since I was a kid, and uh, most of them look like they did the day I got them. <laughs> yeah, that's all part of it, too, is uh, uh, I guess that's the, the last thing I'll say about buying a shotgun is make sure you know how to take it apart and put it back together so that you can clean it properly because if you take care of it, it will always take care of you. And any any of the quality guns out there, like you mentioned, they're going to they're gonna last you a lifetime. Yes. Thanks for joining us today, Dan. Uh great information i've enjoyed my time with you over the years in the field and at the clay range and uh and all the rest of it and uh perhaps we need to follow this up with a couple days in the blind just to see if we know what we're talking about well i'm gonna hold you to to that brad (laughs) sounds good for more information on shotguns uh, bird hunting shot selection shot shells or anything else having to do with shotguns check out harvest your own We hope to inspire people to reconnect with nature and appreciate where your food comes from by harvesting your own. For more information on getting started or to learn specifics about the Field to Fork experience, visit harvestyourown.ca and follow on Facebook and Instagram. Check back often for new material, recipes and videos that are posted regularly. Please subscribe to Harvest Your Own Podcast and take the time to rate and review the show to help us build a dedicated core of passionate hunters as our regular audience. Until next time, embrace the outdoors and all it has to offer. Thanks for joining us.